Welcome to Breaking Bread. I'm Terry Page. The year got off to a hot start. I'm talking about the housing market. As we approach summer, the market is still expected to favor sellers. But is there welcome relief for homeowners? There may not be an immediate cool down ahead, but are there any advantages for both buyers and sellers to jump into the market sooner than later? We'll ask our guests, realtor broker Shana Neely of Upsurge Realty. As a realtor, Shana works in and around the Charlotte area and parts of Georgia, and she's helping buyers find the right property. She is also a member of the National Association of Realtors. Shana says she has the key to your real estate needs. Also, late on Breaking Bread, what if you are in your dream home and suddenly can't pay your mortgage? Is there a way to keep your lender at bay? Be sure to stick around for that. Shauna Neely, welcome to the show. Thanks, Terry. Glad to have you. Uh, Shauna, sellers are calling the shots in Miami, Savannah, Austin, and, and as you know, Georgia. And I mention those places because they have a lot in common with Charlotte as far as people trying to get their dream home and finding a challenging time doing so, especially in a situation where you have people moving in and around the market and trying to navigate the market. What advice can you offer buyers before they begin their home buying journey? Wow, Terry, that's a, a loaded question there. <laughs> so, yeah, it's different for different people. It's different for the buyers. It's different for the sellers. Um, keeping your goals is in, in mind is an extremely important part of that. Keeping your goals. So do you have something in mind, a house that you're looking for? Go for that and be consistent. Is that what you're saying? Well, keeping your goals in mind. So, for example, if you are a new first-time mover, not a first-time owner, but a first-time mover to the Charlotte area, our market is hot just like those other areas. So if your goal is a four-bedroom, three-bathroom house under a certain dollar amount, keep that goal in mind. Um, I say be flexible with it, but keep that goal in mind. You know, don't start looking at houses that are 10 bedrooms, 5,000 square foot on the lake. That wasn't your goal. <laughs> so I, I have a feeling part of that is coming from you may be in your home for quite a while and you want something you're happy with. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And, you know, this past year, a lot of people have realized that. You know, they realized something got too small, something is not big enough, something, or they just simply grew out of that. So, you know, if you know you're unhappy with the home you're in and it's two bedrooms, two bathrooms, then let's, you want to move up. You really want to get something bigger. Let's keep your goals in mind, you know, and look for the three bedrooms, two and a half bathrooms, or the four bedrooms, three bathrooms. You know, keep your goals in mind. Now, here's what I found out. A, a lot changed with COVID as far as what people were looking for in terms of homes. Because people, like you said, they're looking for something specific. And then COVID hit, and you had people spending more time at home. Now, this is more with my inner circle from what I've noticed, but when people are going, ho going home and working from home, they were saying, well, now I think I need something with an office or somewhere where I can do those Zoom calls. So my, my tastes are going to change because of that. Did you find that in your situation? Absolutely, 100%. You know, I don't know if you've been paying attention to the markets or even to, to television. You know, that DIY industry, that do-it-yourself, you know, that was probably around 10, 12, maybe 15 years ago. And people would buy a home, oh, well, I'll add this later, or I'll add that later. And, you know, later is here, and you don't have those things. So, you know, you realize now where we were all forced to be in our homes, hmm, that, that screened-in porch is really important to me. Or, hmm, that extra bathroom, that's, that's kind of important. Or that um, outdoor kitchen, you know, is really important. So now people are saying, hmm, why should I settle? Why am I going to add that on to this house when I can find a house that already has it? 
you know, that DIY ended pretty quickly. <laughs> so, you know, I think that's changed a lot of people's mindsets as far as what they want, where they want to be, you know. And then when we see how much people are making on their homes, you know, that definitely changed, you know. COVID changed a lot for a lot of people. And, and suddenly it's something we didn't see coming. And the housing market, it seemed like it did reflect and it adjusted to those needs. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, people adjusted in ways that they don't think, I don't think that we really paid attention to. You know, once you realize you have your kids home from college and you're in a three-bedroom, two-bathroom house and you have your kids, you've got to work from home. You know, they might be adult children. You know, still, they need a space. Or your kitchen was too small. You, you, you can't have anybody over, but you can't have movie time and, and, and cook and work at the same time. So our, our needs changed. Our goals changed. You know, it just made a big difference as far as what people were willing to settle with this time. Absolutely. One, or actually a few items I did find consistent, and I would say there's four of them, whether it's COVID or not, and I saw this online, it was the top four deal killers for home buyers. <laughs> so I want to talk about that with you a little bit. Um, okay. I, I, COVID may have enhanced those those deal killers, but they exist just the same. The first one, um, could you go over that a little bit and kind of give yeah. me an idea what that's about? Well, yeah, let's, let's back up for a minute when we talk about the deal killers. So we're talking about people that are truly entering the market, you know, whether they be move-up buyers, first-time home buyers, or people that, you know, are just new to our area. You know, this is a pretty hot, pure seller's market. And what that means to, to people now is that sellers are calling the shots as far as, you know, the contracts to buy on properties are concerned. Okay? We have a lot more institutional buyers, meaning a lot more investors that are out there competing with people that, you know, regular people just like us trying to get into those homes. So one big thing is that people's expectations as buyers you know, might be a little bit high. You know, for a while, buyers called the shot, especially after our downturn in 2007, 2008, 2009. A buyer could call the shots. They could tell the seller, hmm, we don't like that wall. Could you paint that for me and I'll buy your house? Or um, if you pay part of my closing costs, I'll buy your house. You know, hmm. we are 180 degrees from that market now. I was going to say, or you don't like the, the light fixture. Right. Could right. you replace that? Little things like that, being yeah. nitpicky. Yeah, being nitpicky, you know. So, yeah, th that time has changed. So because of that, some of our buyers, their expectations, you know, might be a little high coming into this market. So that's definitely one of the deal killers that hurts people going forward with one of the, with a property that they're interested in. Sure. So I would imagine you, you want to look at more of the, of the big picture uh, items that may really be like plumbing yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. You definitely want to look at the big picture, and that's where I go back to keeping your goals in mind, you know. Number one, everything can be fixed, you know. So, you know, I wouldn't, has, I wouldn't, you know, not, not necessarily go forward with that house with the plumbing issue. You know, if it has what, what your needs are, we can get that plumbing issue fixed a little bit later. Okay, you mentioned investors, too. I noticed, especially in Charlotte, you had a lot of investors come in and buy up a lot of homes. And as you said, the, the, the little guy, that kind of, edges them out the market. How has that changed the scope of what you're doing? Absolutely. That has changed, and that actually runs into my point, too, you know, with being the deal killer. You know, being prepared with cash. One of the things that those other buyers, the institutional buyers, the big companies, the venture capitalist funds, and Charlotte has a myriad of them, you know, one of the things that makes them different, you know, than just most people that are buying houses is that they're paying with cash. So when they're paying with cash, 
They don't have um, appraisal contingencies to worry about necessarily. They might not worry about inspections because they're paying with cash. They can fix anything. And that looks very different from a buyer that's coming in with a uh, conventionally financed or even a government financed loan. Have you noticed in the people that are coming through? I know we have a lot of first-time buyers mm -hmm. uh, or people who, I mean, your situation may change. You may be in an apartment and, and maybe you're pregnant, you're having a baby. Maybe the apartment was good before, but now I need a house. People who are coming new into it, are, are you finding that they may know about these points you're discussing today? If they don't talk to a realtor, more than likely they won't. I know this market or even this era has made us rely so much on the internet. And don't get me wrong, the internet is a plethora of information regarding housing. But if this is not something that you do on a daily basis, I necessarily wouldn't trust everything I read on the internet. If it was on the internet, it has to be true. <laughs> well, not always the case. <laughs> just saying, just saying. Yeah. So definitely talk to a real estate agent, regardless to what you want to do. You don't necessarily have to work with them. You know, but if you don't know what you don't know, how do you know what you're getting into? So what I'm getting from you is even if you decide to go in a different direction, at least talk to a real estate agent who has the experience such as yourself that can maybe guide that person in a direction that may be helpful to them. Absolutely. Give, definitely given some options as far as some things that are available to them. I know people have been impressed recently, definitely our sellers, you know, with the investors that are coming into the market. They're sending you a letter saying, hey, I'll pay you this much, which might be 100000 110000 more than you were thinking your home was worth. You know, you're not necessarily paying attention to the value. But, you know, if you talk to a realtor, how, what if you find out it's worth more than that? You know, what if you find out you could get more than that? I know that the investors say you don't have to work with a realtor or, you know, they're not paying commissions, but there are fees associated with that. So, you know, you definitely want to weigh your pros and cons. Yeah, I, I can see exactly what you're saying. And people, again, you don't know what you don't know. I've seen people, you know, personally appeal to the homeowner, writing letters and sending them chocolates, this sort of thing, mm -hmm. just so they get that house. Don't worry about that light fixture. They're, they're just trying to get that home. Uh, no problem. But it's a, it's a seller's market. And people do. They want to appeal to the feelings that go along with buying. But this is not the feeling market. So those love letters that people used to write, mm, kind of say X that now. <laughs> oh, so just forget about that. Yeah, yeah, let's yeah, yeah let's not go down that route. <laughs> yeah, so I saw one yeah. or two people were moved, but uh, for the most part, yeah, you're right. Right. It's still yeah, the percentage number one. The percentage, yeah, the percentage of people that are moved by that is is shrinking and shrinking. <laughs> you know, and there's some other caveats that go along with that. Well, we really don't want to go down those routes. You know, for any buyer, let's just make this a transaction. Let's look at the money that's involved and the flexibility of the people willing to do it. I understand. We are breaking bread with realtor broker Shana Neely of Upsurge Realty. Coming up, we're going to take a look at numbers three and four of deal killers for home buyers. Also, after the break, what can be done to protect homeowners from foreclosure? You're listening to Breaking Bread. If one thing is for certain, life is full of unexpected surprises. Your car breaks down on the way to work, or you misplace your cell phone. Again. We may think we know how we would handle the things we can't see coming. But what about a flood, a wildfire, or a hurricane that can put you in danger? By visiting ready.gov plan, you can prepare for natural disasters that show up at your door. Empower yourself and your family with the tools to ride out the storm safely and together. You don't know when life will happen, but you can plan for it. This message is brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council.
Do you currently have mortgage protection? Better yet, if you purchased your home after 2008, wasn't even offered. So kind of an, an industry secret. Uh, back in 2008 uh, or, or prior, a lot of this mortgage protection would have been offered in closing. Uh, after 2008, they really stopped doing it that way. And so now, uh, a lot of times, our clients will get a letter in the mail uh, about taking care of that loan in case of like a death or a disability. That was Equus manager Vincent Hall who says his company helped more than 50 million people last year with mortgage protection. With me today is Shana Neely, realtor broker with Upsurge Realty. Shana, what is the average homeowner doing today when it comes to mortgage protection? Oh, wow, that's a great question. So mortgage protection has changed. Um, generally, it's an insurance now that you can buy that helps you pay your mortgage um, during times when you think you might have lost your job or times that you think you just can't pay it. So most people um, make decisions about what they want to do at the closing table. Some people, and you, it's still an option that you can do after closing. Okay, so people still have that option. Yeah, okay. yeah. Because it, sound, it sounds like what Vince was saying, that there was something that changed after 2008. Yeah, okay, so 2008 was our downturn. You know, I think it was new for mortgage protection insurance being called that. It was new for everybody. However, I think this, things are still changing on that front, especially in the market where we are with heavy sellers and such a seller-impacted market and such a seller's market. Um, your house can be sold. You know, there's a way to pull out some of that equity. And we're finding that a lot, are, lot of lenders are being um, a little bit more flexible than they used to be back in 2007, 2008, 2009. So we're finding some of the bigger people are willing to tack those extra payments onto the back of the loan. You can stay in your house, especially as we're increasing in value like we are. It's amazing how different, you bring up a good point, because the bank before, or whoever your lender would be, nope, pay it or else. And now they're like, well, let's let's try to work with people. Because the bottom line, the bank really doesn't want to own the house. Absolutely. They're not in that business. So now that we're realizing we all work better together, <laughs> it's a great opportunity for them to reconsider some of those models. And if you have problems, let's talk about it. Talk to a realtor if you're not comfortable. Talk to the, the person that got you the loan. You know, but you do have a lot more options and people if you talk about them. Working together. Now, there's a concept. I know. How about that? How many homes per month are being sold versus a year ago at the start of the pandemic? Oh, my gosh, Terry. I don't know if people are really, you know, have really been paying attention to the market. And we're saying our inventory is shrinking. You know, so, so many more people are deciding not to sell their homes. So the numbers I have are from May of 2020. There were 8,177 homes for sale on May of 2020, from May 1st of 2020. By May of 2021, we're at 3,104. You know, that's a 5,000, you know, house number difference. Um, we're seeing that the average sales price in May of 2020 was about 309000 whereas on this May 2021, the average house price was 394000 That's a 27% increase over the, over the year, a 12-month period. It's crazy. When there isn't a lot of supply and the demand goes up, that means prices go up. You know, as you see, so with 8,000 houses on the market, the price was 300,000. Now with 3,000 houses on the market, that price is about 400,000. So that makes a big difference. If you want to take a look at a pure example of supply and demand, you're looking at it. Right now, absolutely. And a pure seller's market too. I think back after the downturn, we were looking at a pure buyer's market where buyers call the shots on what, what they wanted to buy. It's not that way anymore. Now look at it. 
Well, it makes the sellers happy, right? Oh, absolutely. Anybody that owns a house, whether you've owned it for a year or 10 years, you're making money on your house. Yeah. Well, I guess the other situation when look at, you are a seller, you sell your house, where do you live? Exactly. I think that's the problem that a lot of move-up buyers are considering right now. You know, if you sell this house and make this, make about 200000 on your home, you know, where do you go with a house for that price? It's not as easy as it used to be to find something. More and more buyers are finding themselves moving out of Charlotte, you know, so you're moving to some of the surrounding cities, surrounding counties, and into South Carolina, which is also an area that I work in as well. Okay, yeah, a lot of influx with South Carolina from North Carolina because of what you just said. Absolutely, absolutely. So. Wow. Okay. Well, you know, I'm going to get back to those uh, those deal killers okay. for home buyers. Uh, we left off at number three. So, what do you got? Yeah. So, number three, I'd say for most people, we talked a little bit about this, but keeping your goals in mind and being flexible. So, you know, if you're thinking you need four bedrooms, three bathrooms, and you're looking at five bedrooms and two acres, yeah, you kind of miss the goal a little bit. We do want to be flexible with that, though. We don't want to be, you know, definitely different than what you need. But what if it's four bedrooms, two and a half bathrooms, as opposed to four bedrooms, three bathrooms? Or what if it's five bedrooms that you can use as office space? You know, definitely keeping your goals in mind, but you have to be flexible with that. You know, what if it had the popcorn ceilings from the 70s and you don't really like them? <laughs> you know, maybe, you know, this is still a good option for you. It might be a little bit farther from Charlotte as long as it gives you what your family needs. But keeping your goals in mind and being flexible. We're finding that when people aren't flexible, that's definitely a major deal killer. This might go into what we were saying early in the conversation. Well, yeah, it may be further from Charlotte, but if you're working from home, Hello. It may not make a difference, and this may change the scope of the market. Absolutely, absolutely, and we're definitely seeing impacts in those areas. Um, people are deciding they don't want to be in the hustle and bustle of downtown. They want to be a little bit farther out, a little bit, you know, with more trees and grass that they can have of their own. So it, it really impacts what people are looking for. Excellent. Well, thank you for that. Sure. Anything else on our list? Yeah, one more. So I think the fourth thing I'd say is not understanding the market. You know, I think people, a lot of people still go into home ownership thinking they're going to find their dream home and they're going to be there for the rest of their lives. The, the reality is still only about 70% of their people, 70% of people that stay in their homes more than seven years. You know, that's definitely a change. So people are moving a lot more frequently. Since that's the case, you know, why are we planning for 30 years when we're really only staying there for seven? It's a 30-year mortgage. <laughs> yeah, it's a 30-year <laughs> mortgage, which with equity get improving month over month, I mean, based on the numbers I was giving you earlier, we're seeing a between a 2 and a 4% increase in equity month over month. You're going to make money in that seven years. So, you know, why are we looking for the, the forever home? So let's, let's make that a process. The philosophy has changed. Yeah, the, the, the thought process has changed. Definitely. Very, very good point. Yeah, the, the philosophy has changed. More, no longer, you know, can your forever home be the first home you buy. You know, be flexible with that. Maybe this is your two-year home. So in two years, you go ahead and sell that house and get that equity. Put that towards your next house. You know, maybe your forever home you get in, in, in eight years as opposed to this year. Depending how the market looks two years from now. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> definitely. Understand the market. Are people, and I'm going back to my example of, you know, first-time home buyers. I remember when I was a first-time home buyer. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of items I didn't know, wasn't aware of, and kind of uh, stumbled through it. But I did go to a realtor. So Fantastic. Uh, with that being said, are you seeing people make any type of, 
financial errors or maybe not knowing some financial things that maybe they could have done differently before coming to the table? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's why it's so important. You know, the, the first step, talk to a realtor. Most realtors can give you some direction as far as some lenders you should talk to, you know, to have some ideas about what it is that you're getting into financially. Um, things have changed. They continue to change every day. So if you're not, if this is not something you're doing, usually most people don't buy a house every day. So in the last time you did this, whenever it was, it could be two years ago, it could be 10 years ago, it could be 25 years ago. Things have changed. So if you're not paying attention or studying it every day, you might not know something. You might miss something. So that's why it's usually important to speak to a realtor about that first. I mean, well, look what changed just from the pandemic. I mean, that quickly. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I, I remember, you know, we weren't sure as far as the market was concerned in, in May of last year or at March of last year, actually. But that was one of our higher months as far as sales. Is there a website where you can direct people where they can maybe get some knowledge or, or maybe contact somebody that may assist them? Absolutely. Definitely. Reach out to my website. It's www.findcharlotteproperty.com. That'll help you with information throughout the Charlotte area. Um, also, other websites, you know, people are very familiar with Zillow, which gives you information concerning house. It's not always 100% accurate, but it is a great starting point. Excellent. I tell you what, with all the resources, what will Charlotte look like in year 2040? Does anybody really know? Charlotte has a 2040 comprehensive plan. Now, for those of you listening outside of the city, the controversial proposal by Charlotte City Council got plenty of attention from its residents. This is an attempt to come up with a comprehensive plan for the city of Charlotte so that residents may anticipate implementation strategies. There are about 10 goals on the table, but since Breaking Bread is not a 24-hour podcast, I will only highlight a couple. But we have listed the entire plan on our Facebook page. Shauna, some of the goals listed are the 10-minute neighborhoods. Now, this proposal includes creating parks, grocery stores, pharmaceutical within uh, the walking distance, just to kind of give a, a, a quick recap on that. Now, there's been some revised language that I want to point that out um, to our listeners where maybe people could do like maybe a 10 to 20-minute drive or a bus or a bike ride or something like that. But that is a concept. How would a step in this direction affect what you do? Oh, my gosh. Um, I, I'm actually excited to see what the, what the changes will happen, what will do to our areas and what will happen. Um, I think the goal of having a 10 to 20-minute drive to the services that we need is extremely important. You know, there are a lot of areas that are already like that, but there are a lot of areas that aren't. You know, so putting grocery stores, putting parks, putting the things that people need a little bit closer to them really impacts the environment, less, less time spent in our cars, more walkability, more exercise that we're getting for ourselves. So how that in a, will impact us, people are always going to need houses. You know, I imagine that the demand is going to continue to increase. We are still in a robust market where our interest rates are still low. And, and, and let's just see those comprehensive changes. Let's see how quickly they're implemented. And here's the crazy part. We're talking the future down the road where no one's really sure. And the point was brought up, hey, you know, look, at, look what Amazon's doing. They're talking about having drones where you can maybe drop your groceries or pharmaceutical products right at your doorstep. You wouldn't have to worry about the 10 minutes. So you have all these dynamics, and it could happen as quickly within the next 24 months. Yeah, sure could. Yeah, Amazon's probably not going to drop a park in your neighborhood, but, you know, the goal is that, you know, they have the services, have the flexibility, have the, the, the things that are important to people a little bit closer to them. 
Yeah, and that's what they're striving for. And, you know, and that's the proposal on the table. And, and another goal for Charlotte City Council is to have a diversity of housing options, duplexes, triplexes, townhomes, for example. First, what type of homes do you offer potential buyers, and how will this change affect how business is conducted going forward? Absolutely. So for a real estate agent, we're, we're still seeing a lot more people doing virtual showings and virtual visitations. No longer are you necessarily having to get in your car and drive 30 or 20 minutes to go see a property. A lot of times you can see those things by camera or have your agent be there and walk through the home for you just to get an idea you know of what's available so yeah and having more of opportunities for people so if you'll notice charlotte doesn't have a lot of duplexes triplexes or multiplex units for people to live in you know while we have some that still hasn't been a major concentration in our area most of the building has been for single family homes and townhouses and condos the 2040 planning is asking for a lot more diversity in the options that people own so it would help as far as people's availability and ability to acquire net worth. You know, if you own a, a duplex, you live in one side and you rent out the other side, that helps increase your net worth, you know, while also providing housing for other people. Um, you know, and it also makes sure more neighborhoods are not so rent heavy. You know, it's an opportunity for lending. Some, some loan types don't want an area that's more than 15 or 20 percent renters. You know, the idea is that that rental community doesn't take care of the neighborhood, you know, as well as the ownership community. So, you know, the diversity of options will help bring a diversity of people to, to the same areas. Excellent. And we won't um, delve into this today, but just let the listeners know, um, we're looking forward to having a show just on this 2040 plan, have someone yeah, from yeah. City Council come in, kind of explain the whole option, because there's some people on one side saying, well, I live in single family dwelling, I don't want a duplex next to me. So there's that whole conversation uh, that can be had. But no matter what's coming down the road, the road, as far as you, someone who is in the, the market of buying and selling homes, whatever happens, it's going to affect you, right? Absolutely. And we'll be prepared for that. So I wish I had a crystal ball to say the next hot area. You know, and in fact, we none of us do. We can only see the trends. We can only look at what's happening in the market and make predictions and things based on that. So whatever happens with the comprehensive plan, we'll be there for it and be ready. Well, I'm hoping to have you back here if you will come because of all the changes that are developing. We hope that you could come in and explain to listeners those changes and kind of help people get a roadmap. To getting that new home if need be. Absolutely, absolutely. Helping buyers sell too. That's also a big concern. You know, what if these new developments come into the neighborhood where you live? You know, how does that affect your ability to sell? So we're paying attention to those trends as well. Shana Neely, thank you for joining us today. Thanks, Terry. It's been fantastic, and thanks for having me. Breaking Bread is a production of Artists for the People. Visit our Facebook page or catch us on Twitter at Breaking Bread 101. See what we're up to on Instagram on Breaking Bread Podcast. Be sure to tell your friends that they can visit our website at breakingbread.biz. Of course, check us out on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. When the market talks, we listen. Success is when opportunity meets reparation. Until next time. <laughs>